Hello, I'm Casey Hobbs. And I'm Shane Mason, and we're the hosts of Nurse Talk Radio. Here's what we're talking about this week. Casey, our next guest lives to find stories and information that we usually don't find in the mainstream media. Donna Shaw is an investigative reporter for Tarbell. In the era of so-called fake news, it is critical to know and research our news sources. That's why Tarbell is expanding its excellent coverage and why it's supported by readers and not influenced by politics or corporate donations. With us is Donna Shaw. Donna recently wrote about dangerous drug shortages that threaten patients in ERs, cancer clinics, and ambulances. Donna, welcome to Nurse Talk, and thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much for inviting me. So it seems like a pretty big deal, Donna. So my first question is, why? Why is this happening? Well, there are a number of whys, but I think mostly it boils down to economics. Uh, The Food and Drug Administration, a couple of months ago in November, held this day-long hearing, you know, eight hours of just discussing this, and they had all kinds of experts, panels of experts, people in the audience. You, You had doctors, nurses, academics, pharmacists, manufacturers, hospital people, pharmacy benefit managers, you know, the whole gamut. And... What they actually said was, was, I thought, kind of frightening because what they're saying is that the drug shortages problem has been pretty severe for uh, at least a decade. Uh, most of it involves sterile injectable drugs, you know, products that are the backbone of treatment in emergency rooms and cancer clinics and in ambulances. Um, there were a lot of numbers they threw around, but at least 50% and maybe as much at times as much as 80% of these drugs are in short supply. So it's a pretty serious issue. But I, I still am not grasping the why of that. Are the drugs not available to be made? Are we not putting enough, are there not enough people skilled enough to make those drugs? Uh, The answer is yes to everything that you're thinking. I mean, these shortages are being caused by a confluence of events, really, that involve, uh, you know, everything from global economics to politics, even Mother Nature. So, for example, one of the big problems is that a large percentage of the drugs that are in short supply uh, are produced by only one or two companies on the planet. So if something happens to one of the facilities, or worse, you you know, there's a real issue there. Um, there's other problems as well. For example, the Federal Trade Commission, you think of drugs as being, of course, they're, they're um, overseen by the Food and Drug Administration. But interestingly, the Federal Trade Commission is not required to discuss with the FDA when they're looking at, uh, when they're evaluating corporate mergers. So if two companies are joining together that make the same injectables and now suddenly they merge and there's only one, um, the outcome, you know, the potential outcome of that is not really considered uh, other problems. And wait, right? go back to that a second. Sure. So th- so sure. there is no legislation, there is nothing that oversees that that says, hey, wait a second, that's going to uh, make it worse for us in the long run because we'll have even more shortages if it's just one company. Yeah, and that's that's a big problem because, you know, look, we're a capitalist country. Yes. And so, you know, the FDA, it's not like the FDA can order people to make certain drugs, and it's not like the Federal Trade Commission can order companies not to merge if there's no good reason that they shouldn't. And you would think that drug shortages would be a pretty good reason, but it has not really been considered here, here at least so far, at least so far. 
Donna, you said something about 10 years. This has been going on or building up for 10 years. Why yeah. Why so long? And what else? Or did have we heard anything about this up until this time? Well, you know, that's a really interesting question. I mean, I've been covering the, the you know, these types of issues. I've been covering the FDA and, and um, pharmaceutical companies and biotech companies for, you know, like 25 years. And this was the first time I had heard about this. And I was shocked that it was not more widely known given the severity of it. I'm hoping that Tarbell will be able to raise the profile of this, certainly. It's a, it's a major issue. Well, there are some examples that you write about that I want to ask you about. So at sure. hospitals, newborns are dying because of zinc deficiency? The, yeah, I couldn't I, believe that. You know, That's um, shocking. Um, there, was, um, th- there was some discussion, some considerable discussion about that. We're seeing this problem. It only used to be seen in developing countries. But now in this country, one of the shortages and long-term is in injectable zinc. And, you know, globally, zinc deficiency is supposed to, I think it contributes to maybe half a million deaths per year in infants and children under five, right? And you don't think of it happening here. But I began to look through PubMed, and I'm looking at peer-reviewed journals, and I'm looking at the CDC, at the, you know, morbid, Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report, and there's all kinds of cases now here. And most of the children, thankfully, most of these, they're mostly neonates, and most of them aren't dying. But there have been deaths in this country. And one expert said, you know what, the younger clinicians in these hospitals, they don't even know exactly what the appropriate amount of the zinc is to give to a baby because these shortages have lasted for their entire careers. Oh, so they don't even know that there's supposed to be some other way to do things. This is also shocking to me. I'm having a hard time even talking. Uh, Another example, Donna, is ambulance patients are screaming in pain because the crews don't have sufficient painkillers. Talk about that. Yeah, Yeah, this, uh, this example came from the National Association of EMS Physicians. Uh, they've been dealing with uh, this problem for more than 10 years. The vast majority of the medicines that are stocked in ambulances are sterile injectables, things like painkillers, uh, cardiac arrest medications, antiemetics. They are having a significant amount of trouble stocking uh, these medicines for ambulances. And uh, the representative from this group, he said, you know, I'll give you an example. You've got a skier with a broken leg. And we've got to bring him down the mountain without any painkillers. Good luck driving down the mountain with this yes. poor guy, you know. But then again, I'm thinking we should look at other alternatives. So I get the injectables and how hard that is to create and make. But there are drugs, they make dissolving drugs that you put on your tongue and they disappear instantly. So I'm thinking right. about painkillers and thinking, so why aren't we using things like Ativan that you put under your tongue that'll take the edge off? Of, yeah. and more and of more, the pain. more and more, they're having to resort to those kind of alternatives. Yes. The difficulty is that, at least in some cases, the alternatives just don't work as well. You're right. And that's, you don't want one of your patients screaming in pain. Nobody wants that. Right. You know? And but, your I am your injectables are much quicker acting. And, yeah, it, yeah. you know, it is a better drug. So I get that. I, I just still struggle with why the injectables are so hard to make and to have enough on, yeah. on hand. That's the part I'm kind of struggling yeah. with. I don't get that. Oh, I, I don't blame you. I know that uh, one of the experts at the FDA meeting, he's the uh, immediate past president of the American Society of Anesthesiologists, and he was so frustrated. He said, you know, 
a carpenter, a carpenter doesn't go to work every day saying, gee, will I have nails today? Yes. Will I have a hammer today? And that really struck me that that's the issue, uh, that that's how severe this issue is. It is, because um, another, another example you use, pediatric cancer clinics, scrambling oh, yeah. to get cheap drugs that can help their young patients. That's... That one was just a stunner to me. Again, yes. I had never heard this before. Um, the data were, you know, 85% of the kids that these cancer doctors see, the pe- pe- mostly they were talking about pediatrician, pediatrics cases. And they said, you know, 85% of these kids we can cure with these older off-patent drugs, but there are no really good alternatives. The physicians are just, I talked to one in particular, he was just furious about it, you know. He said, look, these sterile injectables are the backbone of chemotherapy for kids and for adults, too, for that matter. And his pharmacy, apparently they've got somebody who just spends all day on the phone every day, 40 hours a week, trying to find these medications. And, you know, here we're talking about life and death. In the richest country in the world, that's reprehensible. That that's that that's what we've gotten to with our drug products. And what's reprehensible is we're just now hearing about it. This is the first that that the public is being notified. Yeah. I mean, I was as I said, I've covered uh, I've covered this industry since the 1990s. And I was stunned when I heard about it. It was just something I had never it was hard to conceive of, you know. But again, you know, these problems, you know, for one thing, the price of generics, these are all generic drugs, almost all of them. And the prices are falling. Uh, again, it's a matter of economics. It's harder for these companies to earn profits. A lot of them are going out of the business. It's also really difficult and cost, costly to make sterile injectable products. And many, many manufacturers have severe safety problems that sometimes, you know, I mean, if a little bit of, you know, you can't really say about a little bit of bacteria, any bacteria that gets into a production line you're probably going to have to shut down production for maybe yes. months, if not longer. Yes, you are, and hard um, to get rid of. Yeah, and so we've got all those kinds of issues going on. Donna, what agencies are involved in monitoring this, and what's being done to fix it? Well, obviously, the lead agency would be the Food and Drug Administration, um, and uh, you know, but they're dealing sometimes with things they can't do much about. Like, for example, the FDA has no control over the fact that very few manufacturers actually have access to the basic ingredients they need. Also, you've got other kind of, you know, site interruptions at manufacturing plants. You've got supply chain breakdowns. There can be trade wars, hurricanes, fires. I mean, how do you control for that? How do you control for Hurricane Maria hitting Puerto Rico, where there are several of these manufacturing plants, including one that produces sterile saline solution? And suddenly they're down. They're offline. And they're offline maybe for months or longer. That's shocking. Yeah. Donna, yeah, what, el- what else would you like to share with our listeners? Well, one of the things I would like to say is that they ought to get involved. Um, there are many ways in which your listeners can get involved, either through their professional organizations or their hospital pharmacy uh, departments in reporting these shortages. So Tarbell, for example, which is tarbell.org, there's a link on our page saying drug shortages, what you can do. Um, the Great. FDA also has a drug shortages page, and uh, you can report them there. You can report shortages to the American Society of Health System Pharmacists. They have a form to fill out. But you know what? Um, I mean, just speaking from my perspective as a journalist, journalists love to hear compelling human interest stories. Yes. And that's so, you know, talk to reporters 
Also, hey, guess what? We have a a presidential election coming up. So call your representatives in Congress. Call the White House. The White House is involved in this issue. Uh, At least one of the main Democratic candidates for president has actually uh, introduced legislation called the Affordable Drug Manufacturing Act, which would seek not only to reduce the high cost, but would also address drug shortages. So get in touch with these people. You know, members of Congress, politicians, they love having hearings. They love the exposure. Um, Those are some of the things that your, your listeners can do. Thank you so much. Donna, I want to thank you for your time and for your reporting. We're definitely going to have you back on because this is a topic that we need to hear more about. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate the time. We're talking to Tarbell investigative journalist Donna Shaw. For more information about this topic and Tarbell, visit tarbell.org. Thanks for listening. You can find more information about these topics at nursetalksite.com or nationalnursesunited.org. This podcast is powered by National Nurses United, the nation's largest union for registered nurses. 